0: Um, so if you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be looking at Psalms 139. This is our last Sunday of our Summer in the Psalms series. So if you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, uh, Psalm 139 uh, is the psalm uh, that we are going to be looking at today. Now, this psalm is the psalm of David. Uh, we've primarily looked at the psalms of David uh, mostly because it's kind of a nice to associate. Uh, we feel like we know David a little bit, right? Feel like we know him from uh, his, his stories, his exploits, his, you know, uh, David and Goliath, right? We, all, we know all these stories of David, and so it makes it a little bit more person, personal uh, when we're reading. Actually, these are his words, right? These are the words that he's put pen to paper on, and, um, and, and we feel like we we're kind of getting a little bit more insight uh, into David's life, into his heart, uh, and of course, into his relationship uh, with God. So let's look at Psalm 139, and I'm just going to read it. I will be reading uh, the New Living Translation if you have your app and you want to flip that, and if you don't have the New Living Translation, I will have it up here on the screen for you. So let's dive right in. Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, and you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So let's, let's pause right there. These first six verses, very intimate, right? God knows you. He knows you very well. He knows everything about you. And if there's something that I've come to understand about God, if there's something that I'm learning about my relationship with God, is that God wants an intimate relationship with you. All right? And he wants an intimate relationship. I know that word may scare you a little bit, right? I know that word sounds a little you know, lovey-dovey, it sounds a little even romantic, but that, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the, you know, romantic intimacy. We're talking about knowing somebody so well that you know everything about them, that there is nothing hidden from that other person. That is an intimate relationship. That is the kind of relationship God wants with you first He wants you to know everything about him. There is nothing that God hides about who he is from us. If you seek him, you will find him. God doesn't make you chase him around, right? He's not hiding behind trees. He's not hiding behind mountains. He's not making you chase after him. When you seek the Lord, you will find him. God is wanting an intimate relationship. Not only is he wanting you to know everything about him, but he wants to know everything about you. In fact, if you didn't know this already, he already does. And guess what? He still likes you. Now, here's what I think is funny. Despite that knowledge, right? Despite the fact that God is all-knowing, That God is everywhere. In fact, that's what we're going to look further into this scripture about. We still have the tendency to hide things from God, right? If we're just being very honest, we still have the tendency to hide things from God. You know what, God? You're allowed to go and be a part of this whole part of my life. But over here, don't go over there, God. You don't want to see what's there. I have, uh, I, uh, she's, she's already uh, gone home to be with the Lord, but I had a great-grandmother. We actually called her Old Nana. Uh, great-grandmother. She was, she's my dad's grandmother, and she was born in Sicily. Uh, and boy, this was a strong Italian Roman Catholic woman. I loved her dearly. And when I was very, very young, my brother and I would go over, and my mom would take us over and visit her and um, she still had the strong, thick Italian accent. She spoke uh, Italian, she spoke Spanish, she spoke English, and to be honest with you, she probably spoke other languages because she was just so bright and picked up on things, and we loved her dearly. So we were, I'll never forget, we were over at her house, and uh, she still had the, the couches with the plastic. Uh, the, the pla- there was literally plastic wrapped around the couch, you know, to this day, I, it's funny, you don't see that anymore, but I guess that was a thing. Uh, people put plastic around their couches, so the entire couch was all in plastic. So my brother and I, my brother and I, and by the way, hold on, before I get, I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. She was, she loved God. She would get up, she told me she would get up in the morning and she would pray for hours before she started her day. She loved the Lord. She, she uh, served at her church. In fact, after her, uh, her husband died, I never met him because he died before I was even born. She actually became, there, there's a certain level of kind of like a nun that you can become in the Catholic Church. She's, she wasn't an official nun because she had been married and, and all those things. But basically, she had rededicated her life to the church, to the Catholic Church, and she even had a little outfit. It was pretty cool. That's how much she loved God, and that's how much she loved God's church, okay? So are you tracking with me? Because this, this story's getting about to get really good. So my brother and I, and we're, we're messing around, and I don't know how, but we must have been playing with the couch because we were probably amazed at the, all the plastic around it, and so we were picking it up, and what we uncovered were all these tabloid magazines shoved underneath, you know, uh, the, the, between the, the cushion and the couch, all right, now we're young, so we don't understand, you know, what the the what these are. We just see these, what they look like, magazines. So we pull the magazines and we're flipping through it, and we recognize, you know, there's celebrities and things like that. We're not thinking anything of it. Well, my great grandmother rounds the corner, and she is mortified. We have discovered her sin. Her words, by the way, she grabs, she's grabbing them from us. She's reshoving them under the couch. She puts the couch back, and she says to us, she says, Just give me my one sin, is what she says. That is my one sin. Give me my one sin. And she walks out of the room. Now, by the way, as a kid, totally did not understand what was going on. As I got older, I started to realize, oh. She was embarrassed. She had this thing that she felt in in her mind that this was sinful, and by the way, she hid it. She hid them as if though they were hidden from God. Now, to be honest with you, I knew her, and I knew, it's like, to me, it wasn't still to this day isn't that big of a deal. She was reading tabloid magazine, right? We've all done it, or we've all at least looked at the covers as we stood in the line, right? We've all done it. But why do we think that we can hide anything from God? Why do we think? And and here is this woman who loved the Lord, who served, in fact, she rededicated her life. She never remarried and she served God's church faithfully until, until she went home to be with the Lord. But yet she had what she called her one sin. Give me my one sin, right? We need to understand that, There is nothing that we can hide from God. We need to know that God already sees your sin. God already sees the magazines stuffed underneath the couch. What he's wanting from us is intimacy. He's not wanting to expose your sin to the world to humiliate you. He's wanting to expose your sin to you so that he can heal you. It really is so loving. There's, there's this story in the Bible, it's about Noah. Uh, Noah, after they, um, uh, uh, the ship is finally beached and, and they, they disembark, Noah actually goes in and, and starts producing wine. Well, it says one night that Noah got so drunk off of his wine, that he was literally laying unclothed in his tent. Well, his, his, he has his son, he's got three sons, and his youngest son goes in, and his youngest son basically makes fun of him. Look at dad, he's not clothed, and he's, you know, he's completely you know, exposed. But his other two sons, it says that they do this. It says that they back into the tent, They don't look at him, they back into the tent and they take a blanket and they cover their father. It's not about whether you're a sinner or not because that's already been answered. But that's the heart of God. He wants to take your sin. He doesn't want to humiliate you in front of the world but what he wants to do is he wants to take it away. He wants to cover you, he wants to clothe you and he wants to clothe you in righteousness and in glory. Let's move on. Verse 7. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You guys, if you did not know this, you can't escape the presence of God. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt alone? Because I already know the answer because I know how I've felt before. There is one assurance that you have is that you are truly never alone because no matter where you go in this world, God is there. That is why we have people like missionaries who will go into the darkest places into this world because they know that God is there. They know that he's already gone before them. He knows that he will come behind them. He knows he's got them on both sides, that God's presence is there that we don't have to fear. Romans 8.38 says this, and it sounds very similar. I'm just going to read it to you. It says this. Paul Paul wrote this to uh, the church in Rome. He said, I am convinced that nothing could ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, Neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. You guys, that is the ultimate security. What is your security in? Ask yourself. Really evaluate. What have you been putting your security in? Has it been money? Is it a position at work? Right? Is it a title? Is it relationships? What is it that you've been putting your security in? What have you been saying? You know what? All the chips are on this. Let me tell you something. There is only one thing that is the ultimate security, and that is the love of God. That's where all your chips should be on. That's where you should be putting everything in your life. That's what you should be resting in. Because all those other things that I mentioned, those are all fleeting. Money comes and goes. Jobs come and go. You know, relationships come and go. All those things, but God's love is eternal. God's love will never, ever leave you. Philippians 4 says this, do not worry about anything, instead pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts and mind as you live in Christ Jesus, you see we struggle with fear and anxiety and worry all the time, But if we understand, if we understand the nearness of God, if we understand that God is literally with us, right? He is literally with us. He is not a distant God. Then all those things should become fleeting, right? All those things we should be able to give over to God. In fact, that simple prayer, giving those things over to God, going to him and saying, God, Lord, I need you. I need you. He instantly answers. He's near to you. He's near to us. Verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the the dark of the tomb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Let's stop right there. If you ever wondered the intimate relationship that God has for you and how much he cares for you, he was even there as you were being formed in your mother's womb. He was a part of it. I love that picture of, of knitting because it just shows this delicate process, right? That he literally knitted you together. You guys, you were created in his image. The Bible even says that in, in Genesis 1:27, it says, so God created human beings. In his own image, in the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. You are made in the likeness of God. And I'm gonna tell you something. You need to start respecting yourself as being created by God and not as some piece of junk. The world is trying to tell you that you are worthless that you are unlovable, that you are you know, no good, that you are broken, or, or, or the, the world is trying to get, put a different image upon you that just isn't real. The only image is the image of God, that we were created in his image. It is sin that has distorted that image. But you can always rest assured that God created you. And he created you for a purpose. And that purpose was to have relationship with him. And that purpose was to reflect him as you go out into the world. That when you meet other people, that when they see you, they say, ah, I see our father in you. Obviously, we don't look like him. But people should get that sense from us. They should feel God's presence when they interact with us. That sounds like a heavy responsibility, but it should come very natural to us if we're living in the Spirit and we're not living in our flesh. So then the psalm takes kind of a darker turn here for a moment. Verse 19. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked... Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Whoa, 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 whoa. What happened, David? What's going on here? Does this sound very Christian-like, right? All of a sudden, David has this moment. All of a sudden, he's mad, he's angry, he hates God's enemies, right? And so that kind of made me wonder, because I thought, wait a minute, this doesn't, this doesn't sound like you, God. This doesn't sound like Jesus. This doesn't sound very Christian-like. David was all of a sudden not having a very Christian moment at the time. But it made me wonder, is this one of those places in the Bible that contradicts itself, as the world says? The Bible contradicts itself. Is this one of those moments? Jesus' words in Luke six twenty seven. he says this, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Jesus' words in John three sixteen. you guys all know this, right? For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So what is David saying? There's kind of two things that I caught. The first is, He says, your enemies. He says, your enemies. He says, I hate your enemies, Lord. And by the way, God does have enemies. In fact, you have an enemy, and his name is Satan. There is an enemy of your soul. There is an enemy that it says that he stalks around, he roams around like a lion. He's seeking whom he may devour. There is an enemy who utterly hates you and there is no redemption for him. And he is going down and he wants to drag you down with him. There is an enemy. And we should have a hatred towards that enemy, that, that enemy of God. The Bible says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, against the powers of darkness, against the, the evil rulers of this world. There is a real enemy out there, and we can't necessarily see him. So when David is saying, I, I hate your enemies, I'm wondering if he's speaking to those spirits, right? Those spirits, those kind of antichrist spirits that are against God. And the second thing is it really feels like that this is just David speaking? There is no, thus saith the Lord here. There is no, he is not speaking for God. He's speaking for himself. And again, I believe he's just simply saying, You know what, God, those who oppose you, I oppose. And we need to decide what side we are on. That we are against evil, that we are against, you know, the powers of darkness. I love this scripture in Amos 5:14, it says this: do what is good and run from evil. So that you may live, then the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper, just as you have claimed. Hate evil and love what is good. God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, is peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I believe that this peace Paul talks about comes from believing that God is near, going back to the Romans scripture. Believing that God is near, that God is in, involved with the day-to-day parts of our lives. All right, here it is, Home stretch. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This should be our daily prayer. This should be something that we should memorize, something that we should imprint on our hearts. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David is, uh, once again, admitting I'm not perfect. David, the king, is coming humbly before his God, and he's saying, search me, examine me. And if there is anything in me, God, point it out. Let me see it. Shine a light on it. Again, not to embarrass you, not to bring embarrassment to you, not to flaunt your shortcomings and your sins, you know, around the the entire world and make a mockery of you. That's not why God is, that's not why he wants to expose those things in your life. He wants to bring healing to you. He wants you to make you the best version of you. He wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And the only way you can have an intimate relationship with God is by being brutally honest and open with Him. Amen? Can I pray with you? Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I believe that you want an intimate relationship with every single person here, but it starts by us being honest with you. And really that means by being honest with ourselves. By saying, this is it, this is me. And Lord, if there is anything in me that offends you, show me so that I can grow, so that I can heal, so that I can have a closer relationship with you. Just in this quiet moment, pray that prayer, those last two verses. Pray that prayer to the Lord. Pray that prayer right now. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. This is about closer relationship with you, God. This is about intimacy with you. This is about walking with you daily. This is about living in your presence. Lord God, teach us how to do that. Day in and day out, not just on Sundays, not just at Bible study times, but day in and day out, that we would learn to trust you, that we would seek you, that we would know that you are with us and that you will never, ever abandon us. Heal us, Lord God. Heal us. This we ask today in your precious Son's name Jesus Amen